0: Welcome to Tackling the NFL. I'm Josh Rosenberg. I'm here with my friend Adam Baltax, and we are trying to use our advanced calculus that we've been learning in school to understand the playoff scenarios that are breaking down in this week 17 that's coming up. Adam, yeah. do you have any sense of what's gonna happen?
1: Yeah, look at the the derivative of the of the <laughs> <laughs> of the Washington football team schedule combined with the integrals that you get from looking at the the Packers schedule. It 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 looks to be like like there's gonna be some upsets this week.
0: Speaking of advanced math, advanced math actually does come in handy for our first topic. Just to give you guys a preview of what we're gonna be doing today, we're just gonna talk about some we're gonna start by talking about some takes that we have just that we got from this past week and going into the future because the draft order is starting to shake out. There's a lot of things that are starting to come into focus for the future. And so we're all trying to figure out where how we feel about lots of different teams and lots of different issues. So we're gonna talk those out. And then we are going to preview a couple of the most important Week 17 games. So we each chose a game that we think is going to be an upset. And obviously, out of the important games that are actually going to matter. A game that's going to be an upset, a game that's going to be close, um, and a game that we think that the favorite's going to win. Um, That should be pretty easy because there's a couple blowouts on the schedule. So we're going to go right into it because, as I mentioned, you actually do need advanced math for some of this. And the most important place that advanced math is going to come in is the draft, actually. Because the way, that the, the way that the draft order is decided is by strength of schedule, once you get past like basic record. And so as it shakes out, currently, the Miami Dolphins have a slightly, was it harder, I think, strength of schedule? Uh, easier. Slightly okay. easier strength of schedule than the Atlanta Falcons. So because of that, the Miami Dolphins currently have number three overall pick.
1: It, it it really like it once if you think about it it doesn't make much sense like since they have the same record but against an easier schedule that means they're worse I mean I guess I don't think that should be the tiebreaker
0: no I understand that like the idea behind it I don't really like that it's not something that a team can control like if the Jets and the Jaguars had ended up with the same record which has obviously is obviously not going to happen now most likely unless we really do see a big upset this week which probably isn't going to happen now but if they'd end up with the same record, and then because of like an arbitrary mathematical formula that decides which team had a harder schedule, not taking into account maybe like which team was coming off a of bye week or stuff like that, I would be pretty annoyed if I were a Jets fan and I lost the number one pick.
1: And also the strength of schedule doesn't mean anything when like the, the Jaguars, their one win came against a hard team. So yeah. it's like the give and take, like they beat the they beat the Colts, which would have increased their strength of schedule. But they lost to the Bengals. I, whatever, it doesn't make much sense. I think that there should be some other way of doing it, but I don't know how they should.
0: Yeah. So, my first take this is about my beloved Miami Dolphins because stuff changed this week. The Dolphins, like coming into this week, were, I think, had the five or six pick, which they obviously got from the Texans. They had the Texans pick from the trading Laramie Tunsil to them. And stuff changed because not only did the Bengals beat the Texans, but the Panthers beat the washington football team and so that vaulted the miami dolphins all the way up to the number three overall pick which is huge and so adam i want to walk you through the three different i think realistic scenarios that we can see and i want to explain to you why i think that the craziest one and the one like most out of the left field is the one that i think that they actually might want to take all right
1: i i think i i think you've you've explained these to me through text over the past couple of days but yeah i'm excited
0: let's go for it so <laughs> the most basic scenario the Dolphins draft Sewell. He's the an offensive tackle out of Oregon. He's one of the better offensive line prospects in quite a long time. And the Dolphins desperately need offensive line. And then meanwhile, they drafted an offensive lineman with their first and second round picks this past year. Neither of them has looked that great. They clearly need to protect their quarterback.
1: Yeah. And and another Pacific Islander for that team. For exactly.
0: Yeah, we'd be stocking up on Hawaiians. I would love it.
1: Well, he, he's he's Samoan, but he's Samoan.
0: Yes, so we will be stocking up on Pacific Islanders. So that's obviously the most basic scenario, and I think one that I would be very happy with. I would love to get Penesuil on the Dolphins. Secondly, the Dolphins can trade back and draft Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is a wide receiver out of uh, LSU. He opted out of this year's college football season and will still be the first receiver taken. He is ridiculously good. He's not only big, but he's actually a really good separator, which is important because, as we've seen, two has problems throwing to guys who can't separate at all. Um, But they probably don't need to draft him at number three because teams are going to want quarterbacks there or maybe even Fene Sewell. So I'm thinking, like right now, that they should be able to get a decent amount of draft capital from a team in the seven to 10 range because those teams are the Detroit Lions, the New York Giants, the Carolina Panthers, and the Denver Broncos. All of those teams should be looking for a new quarterback and may try to jockey to get their man. Those teams are all realistic trade-up candidates. And then if they don't get Jamar Chase, I also like Micah Parsons because the Dolphins don't have any, have any linebackers that can cover. So that's a trade-back option.
1: Uh, so as a, as a Falcons fan, I, I, I get that. Uh, I don't really care which of those options you do. Uh, so right now we're sitting right behind you and we're just trying to get anyone at this point, just talent. We need someone else. But the more I think about it, here, uh, you can finish your point first and then I'll, I'll
0: continue. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead.
1: Okay. I'm just, the more I think about it, the, the Falcons are 100% going to take Devonta Smith. 100%! <laughs> oh my god, I can just <laughs> see he's, it now. He's, he's an Alabama wide receiver slash running back. He's just the probably like, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a beast of nature. He, he's, just, he's going to be drafted by the Falcons, and it sucks because we don't need him. But that's what we're going to do.
0: He's also going to kick ass. He's so good.
1: He's so good, and we're, our offense will continue to be good. Oh, to be we, fair, we'll get
0: to that later. The Falcons' offense has not been good this year, and I will, I will we'll talk about that later.
1: Uh, largely due to poor coaching and Julio Jones not being there. But
0: agreed, yeah. and I will talk about that later. But to continue with the Dolphins, so this is actually I think right now, like as of whatever today is today is December 29th, My preferred option, I think, for the number three overall pick, is for the Dolphins to draft whichever one of Zach Wilson and Justin Fields is still available, who hasn't been who hasn't gone off the board if they're comfortable with them, which means that you need to do a lot of scouting. You need to decide, okay, if Zach Wilson's there but Justin Fiel- and Justin Fields isn't, all right, we'll take Zach Wilson. But if Justin Fields is there, we don't want him. We'll go to a different scenario. You need to be really sure it's the guy you want. Because at this point in 2020, quarterbacks are so valuable and it's so important to find the right guy that the capital that you spend searching for that guy is so much less valuable than the chance of like, or so much less important than the chance of getting it right. You cannot win a Super Bowl in today's NFL without a superstar quarterback. And honestly, Tua may be it. I don't know yet. But right now, his ceiling looks like a decent bit lower than most of the top five quarterbacks just because of his physical ability. Like his ceiling is probably like, if he hits everything right, it's probably Russell Wilson, which is great. But that's if everything hits just because of his physical tools. I really like Tua. I'm not even advocating that they trade Tua if they draft uh, Wilson or Fields. Instead, I actually think they should keep Tua Tungvaluwa and then have Tua and Fields or Wilson compete for the job. Do not trade one of them immediately. If you've got the right guy, the other guy can realistically be traded for a first round pick and more. Because if you think about it, just like two years ago, the Miami Dolphins traded a second round pick for Josh Rosen after literally one of the worst rookie years ever. And he's put nothing good on film. So if Tua is not the one, he's put some really good games on film and teams would love to get him. And teams like the Bears or the Washington football team would trade a ton because they're not going to be picking in the top five anytime soon, but they also don't have a quarterback. Yeah. Or if the rookie is not it and Tua takes a step forward over the summer or whatever, and you see something in Tua that you really like, someone's going to trade a ton to get that rookie unless they put some disastrous games on film like Josh Rosen, which the Dolphins can keep from happening because they'll be playing Tua. Like, I think that is a win-win scenario here. And like, they can recoup the draft capital that they spend with a number three overall pick. If they do this, I don't know if the dolphins have the balls to do this. This is a really risky move. Cause you know, there's always like the handling a young quarterback with kid gloves, but I think that there's a world where this is the best case scenario for the dolphins.
1: See, and that, that's a good point. But when you, but when you look at their offense, you might want to think if we want our quarterbacks to excel to like their best potential, we need weapons. So so
0: I completely agree. Just the thing is that the Dolphins still have their first first round pick, and there's a lot of good wide receivers in this draft. They could realistically get Kadarius Toney or another wide receiver with like the 21st overall pick and still draft a quarterback. That is my one thought.
1: Yeah, and also the the difference that I think is important for listeners to, to note between Tua and someone like Josh Rosen is Tua has fixable issues. There are clear, definitive things that can be fixed and can be worked on, Josh Rosen Josh I, oh my God. Uh, Josh Rosen did, did, had unfixable issues. He had issues like pocket awareness, being slow. Well
0: <laughs> Dude, Josh uh, Rosen never put anything on tape. Josh Rosen played a whole season and like did nothing to show teams that he was like a viable yeah. starting quarterback. Two went like three and one as a starter, whatever three and two now, I'm not even sure what he is, and he he beat the Patriots, like what he wasn't the reason they won. But he's shown good pocket awareness. Like he's shown traits that can make him at the very least like a mediocre to solid quarterback. And that's like on the low end. His floor is pretty high, I think, for a rookie quarterback who hasn't shown a ton. So again, I think that there are teams, as I mentioned, the Bears, Washington football team, who would be dying to get their hands on Tua Tungova, even if the Dolphins decide that they're gonna move on.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that 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 drafting another quarterback is definitely bold. <laughs> uh, it, w- it would take it would take some cojones. but uh, it, it's definitely <laughs> something that 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 the Miami Dolphins are capable of doing. They just got to make sure that they got their guy. And if and if you if you're not in love with them, don't draft them because there are
0: better options. I completely agree. You need to know that it's the right guy. You don't just take a flyer for no reason. And honestly, I, okay, I'm going to shift this discussion just a little bit because it's something I've been thinking about a lot, and we might want to come back to it when we get closer to the draft. So. For the past couple of years, I've been much more in like the school of thought where you draft the guy who's a good processor, you draft the guy who's shown it in college, who's accurate, maybe he's undersized, I don't really care. This past year, my thinking has really changed. I really like Tua Tungavailoa, I really like Joe Burrow, but their ceiling is not as high as I would like for a quarterback that you're drafting in a, with a top five pick, and I mean, I might be deceived by seeing how good Justin Herbert's been, like Justin Herbert, honestly, it makes no sense that he's turned into what he is in one year. Same with Josh Allen, realistically, the jump that he's made is absolutely insane. So again, those guys showed nothing and jumped to being a top five quarterback. Maybe Herbert isn't there yet, but he's clearly shown the ability to get there. And the thing is, is that with the Joe Burrow, I'm sort of dubious that you make the Super Bowl or you win the Super Bowl unless everything breaks right. Because if you don't have a transcendent talent at the quarterback position now, I'm not sure really if you can go all the way. That's why I'm more inclined to take a shot on a guy like Justin Fields, who has just all the traits and he's got flaws. Like his processing is clearly an issue. But he's got the traits and he gives you the shot to have that top five quarterback in the NFL, which you might need really to win a Super Bowl. See,
1: see, yeah, I, I have a similar point of view. I'm there's just one thing that that kind of that kind of changes it. When I look at guys like Joe Burrow or Sam Darnold, I don't know what type of quarterback they are. I don't know how they're supposed to play. They've been put in such awful situations that they've had to adapt their style and become this whole new quarterback.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Just for Joe Burrow, though, and Tua specifically, it's just the arm strength, which is really my concern. Yeah, They don't have the zip on the ball, which I would want them to have. And honestly, I think that they can win a Super Bowl. I'm not even saying that they can't. It's just that the margin for error is so much smaller with a quarterback with those physical tools. And it doesn't mean it can't happen, but it does make it harder. And I think you give yourself a better chance if you take those extra shots and try to find like I said, that transcendent talent.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the thing with Josh Allen. That's one of the main reasons he was able to blow up this year because he has such a massive arm to fall back on if he has no one open. Yep. So, yeah, so that's, that's a definitely a tool. But when, but when you got guys like Brady in the league who have been so good with not much of an arm, um, and it's just it's, – you never know. You never It could be anyone, and uh, Joe Burrow could be that guy. We haven't seen him with a healthy pocket this year um so who knows it could even be sam darnold we haven't seen him play correctly in the past three years
0: i mean sam darnold has the tools to be that transcendent talent which is why someone's going to trade a first or second round pick for him and you know what i completely agree with that decision you take that shot you just take that shot
1: because no one no one has seen how sam darnold should play
0: yeah no one's seen sam darnold outside of a adam GaSe offense in two years and that was when he was a rookie
1: yeah he's been he's been wearing a weighted vest his entire career
0: Yep. Anyways. That, that was quite a long tangent on the Dolphins. Sorry, thank you for indulging me. But I did think that it was worth noting, and we might need to come back to it closer to draft season when you know we get a better sense. First of all, the Texans still need to lose the Titans this week, and it would be so Dolphins and Texans for the Texans <laughs> to just completely blow up the Dolphins' spot and beat the Titans for no reason. So hoping- I would like that. <laughs> yeah, you, you would like that. I would not. Actually,
1: no, I don't. We're, it doesn't matter what position we're taking. We're taking Smith. I, 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 I'm just so confident that that's where the Falcons are going with our pick.
0: Okay, yeah, I think you guys are taking a quarterback. But what is your? No, next I, I
1: want us to. <laughs> <laughs> but but I just know that's not what's happening. Um. Okay. Let's let's not continue on the Dolphins. Let's let's move somewhere else. I have a take about Jared Goff. Ooh. I think this is his last year with the Rams. I think that the Rams are going to lose to the Cardinals this week, and I think that they are. Well, they'll probably still make the playoffs because there's no way the Bears win, right?
0: We need to find out if the Packers are sitting players. I don't know. I mean, I didn't expect yeah. the Steelers to sit players, and now and now it looks like they are. So if they do, then the Bears have a chance.
1: I think the Rams are going to get blown out of the playoffs, and I think it's going to be eye-opening. And they're going to realize that it is not their defense. It's clearly not their defense that is the problem because it's so good. It clearly isn't their weapons because we've seen Cup. We've seen golf. We, I'm sorry. We've seen Cup. We've seen Woods. We've seen uh, Higby. We've seen everyone play well it is Jared Goff at the helm, which is the problem. His mediocrity won't last and they got to get rid of him. Whether or not him getting subdued to a backup role or getting cut or getting traded, I don't think he'll be the starter for the Rams next year.
0: Okay. And so I think that the Rams would love that. And like as someone who likes watching the Rams play and really appreciates their defense, what Sean McVay has been doing and the offensive weapons around the quarterback this year. My question is how do you move on from Jared Goff? Because Next year, he has a dead cap. Okay. Oh, wow. You can't move on from Jared Goff next year. He has a dead cap hit of $65 million. Then in 2022, he has a dead cap hit of $31 million. So he's sticking around for two more years. My question is, even if you want to bench him, which fine, like I think that that's a reasonable outcome because yeah, your ceiling's really low with Jared Goff. Who do you go for? Because the Rams are going to have a high, are going to have a really low pick. What do you propose the Rams do to replace Jared Goff?
1: I'm I'm looking for a trade here. So you so you're talking about the Dolphins earlier. Ooh, it doesn't have okay. to be them. It doesn't have to be them, but but not saying it couldn't be them. The Rams n- need to get one of those top four guys. And whether it's getting rid of someone like Darius Williams, who's shown up like insanely this year, but secondary corners is not as important as quarterback as we've seen in the past. Whether it's getting rid of I don't know. Darrell Henderson, since you got three running backs.
0: No one's trading for uh, a running back. <laughs> see, you say
1: that but you never know. <laughs> that is true. Uh, the
0: Dolphins traded a fifth round pick for Matt Bradle last year. so.
1: And it could be a package deal. Uh, I'm I'm just saying, you got to do something to fix that quarterback situation or you're just going to get another year of mediocrity.
0: Yeah, so the thing is that, honestly, I love the idea. I think that the only reasonable quarterback, unless the Dolphins actually draft a quarterback and then trade one of them early. I actually think that I would prefer that they hold on to both quarterbacks for the entire next year. I don't think that they need to trade one of them imminently if the Dolphins did that. I think the only reasonable outcome here, though, is trading for Matt Stafford.
1: Like a first and a second or something
0: like that. And the thing is that we've seen them do that in the past. They've traded under less need. The Rams would love to trade away first round picks for established stars. This is a really good deal if they could get it for a first and yeah, maybe a second. Matthew Stafford's cap hit is not that big. This is reasonable, I think. It's a question of whether you can fit it under the cap with Jared Goff maybe like I I don't know what you're doing with Jared Goff. That that is really my question.
1: I think that's just got to be your number 1 priority for the Rams. I think you got to you got to go after that quarterback position whether it's trading your first and a second for Matt Stafford uh or just doing anything really. It's just that that's your biggest hole.
0: That is that is a bold take. I like it. All right. I've got another one. I don't know how you're going to feel about this cuz this is about the Falcons. I think that the Falcons should keep Raheem Morris as their head coach for next year.
1: As their head coach? Now that's interesting.
0: (laughs) As their head coach, yes. He is currently their interim coach, was formerly their defensive coordinator, and here's why. Well, first of all, this team is actually showing a fight. Like, especially defensively, which is his side of the ball, they're showing up. They're more aggressive, they're getting more pressure in the games that he's coached. AJ Terrell looks like he's a keeper. Like, he looked really good, even though he dropped that pick, but he played played really good coverage against Tyreek Hill um, this week against the Chiefs the offense has the pieces to be fixed by a better offensive coordinator. I don't even think that he's necessarily that involved on that side of the ball. So I wouldn't be that worried about what he's done there. But the thing is that the Falcons are completely locked into this team for two more years, realistically, or with the foundations of this team. If they decided to burn it to the studs after this next season, they could eat a ton of dead cap and like, pretty much guarantee themselves like a top two or top three pick because they would be awful. They would have no cap space and they would have a terrible team if they decided to cut Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Because the only way the Falcons can get out of Matt Ryan's contract after next year is by taking $26.5 million in dead cap. It drops to $8.5 million after 2022. And if they try to get out of Julio Jones's contract after next year, they take $15.5 million in dead cap, which is a ton of money for a wide receiver. And then it's around $8 million after twenty twenty two. They're realistically gonna have this team for at least one more year, maybe two, depending on how much dead cap they can eat. I don't know how useful it is to bring in a totally new head coach and have them build around a team that's already already isn't it, essentially. And this is all with a caveat because all of this is all of this stands unless they take a quarterback with the number four overall pick. Because if they decide they take like Zach Wilson or whoever's there and they decide they want an offensive-minded coach then I completely understand that. And you do your best to get an Eric B enemy, of Brian Dable. What, what do you think, Adam, as the resident Falcons fan?
1: Okay. Okay. So I, I like the idea. I just think that Raheem Morris, I don't think that any of the, the great offensive coordinators that are on the market right now, or any of the potential coaches on the market right now are looking for an offensive coordinator role. And I think that if the Falcons are able to, to pick one up, it's not gonna be for that offensive coordinator role. It ha- it's gonna have to be for head coach. And I love keeping Raheem Morris as my as our defensive coordinator. He's great, he's a great locker room guy. He's he's bonding with the players, he's holding us together <laughs> for the first time all season. I just think that I don't I don't think that Bianami or Dable will accept a offensive coordinator oh, position. I'm
0: not suggesting that. I don't think that they're gonna get any of them as an offensive coordinator. They just need a competent offensive coordinator. And there's plenty of young guys around the league. Like Arthur Smith was absolutely nobody when the Titans elevated him to offensive coordinator. You're just finding someone who's better than Dirk Cotter, which is a pretty low bar. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I don't expect them to get like a head coach to be their offensive coordinator. I just think that how many coaches are really going to want to sign on to a sinking ship, which is what this realistically (laughs) is. And there's not many.
1: Uh, see, I, I don't see us as a <laughs> thinking shit. I think we have the weapons, we have the tools, and I think any, any offensive coordinator coming for this job will see that. We have Jul- Julio Jones, the, one of the best wide receivers in the game. Calvin Ridley, one of the best wide receivers in the game. We got a young core around us besides the main guys. I think that we have the tools to, that are attractive to a, to a coach coming in.
0: But here's the thing. Julio Jones is about to be 32. So he's a wide receiver on the wrong side of 30. who spent most of this year injured, which is not a good sign. I mean, we saw what happened to AJ Green these past two years. And then Matt Ryan is, I have no idea how old he is, but clearly he's not. He's yeah, on yeah. the wrong side. Thirty-five. Of, five, yeah, 35 was what I was thinking, but I don't know the exact age. Anyways, he's clearly going downhill. I just don't know if the upside is here. And given how the bigger problem for the Falcons, I think it's actually not their situation to attract a coach it's really what other options are going to open up is i think the chargers could realistically open up i think that the uh well the texans have already opened up like these are good positions with star young quarterbacks where you can actually build around and i think that that is just more attractive to a coordinator that's just my thought and i have another team that i think would actually be even more attractive than maybe any of those but i'm gonna get to that with my last hot take
1: okay and i and i just i'm wondering because you said like depending on whether or not they draft a quarterback. Do you think that the, the Falcons will go after a coach prior to the draft?
0: Yeah, you need to decide before the draft. So, well, okay, you don't need to. I think it's a terrible idea when a team ma- does their draft. And then, <laughs> Drafts
1: and then gets a coach.
0: And then gets, yeah, and then, like, decides their front office. That's what the Jets did when they gave, like, Mike.
1: Oh, so Jets.
0: <laughs> McCagnin, I don't know how to pronounce it. They let him draft, and then they fired him, like, a week later. Made absolutely no <laughs> sense. You can't do I'd that. It's
1: kind of funny. It's kind of funny.
0: It's funny. I don't think Arthur Blake is that dumb. And I think that he'll yeah. actually do this the right way. I do think there will be a coach in place by the draft.
1: And Dirk Cutter has proven to be not a great drafter. uh, <laughs> t- <laughs> So, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't see him making it to draft day. I think an uncoordinated offense is better than one coordinated by Dirk Cutter. So, who Me knows? Me and coach. <laughs> Honestly, I I would rather let them go play backyard ball. Just say... You do this. You do that. The
0: Josh Rosenberg <laughs> promise is that we will not run on second and long.
1: <laughs> That's that should definitely go into the, our our motto. Yeah, our, our Falcons motto.
0: That's gonna be my pitch.
1: <laughs> we 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 know we no longer run on on dumb situations.
0: Exactly. All right. What is your next take?
1: Okay. Well, let's let's keep this short because we we've talked about the Dolphins a lot. I think that they should start Ryan Fitzpatrick if they make the playoffs. I think that they should be the start. He should be the starting quarterback if they make the playoffs this week. I like playing Tua right here in the chase of the playoffs. This is an important game for his growth. I think that if you make it, the playoffs are too valuable to not start Ryan Fitzpatrick.
0: Well, first of all, I really like this whole like baseball pitching staffing that they're doing right now. No, I don't like it. I think it's stupid, but that they're doing with like Tua starts and then Fitzpatrick comes in as the closer. I don't like it. It's, I'm not a fan and we've talked about this, but we're not going to talk about it again. We had a whole long text conversation last week about it. I don't really know how I feel about it just because I've just like i actually thought about this a little bit over the past couple of days. Because the thing is that if you want to win now, Fitzpatrick is going to give you the best shot to win. Why not just start him? If you're going to bring him in, just start him. He's going to give you the better chance to win with the team as it's currently assembled and the weapons that he has. Like Tua isn't well-situated to win with this offense. And so, yeah, if you want to, like, and you really want to just focus on winning right now, why not just start Fitz? I, I mean, I think that they should be taking the long run. And rather than subbing Fitz in, as soon as the going gets hard for Tua, I think you should just let Tua play it out, but that's a different conversation.
1: Yeah, I'm I just personally I believe in taking your opportunities when you have them. Everything this year is so weird that anything can happen. And their defense is so good that who knows, they could maybe steal a win or two and make a push. And I'd rather have Fitzpatrick as my quarterback when that's happened
0: their path to the playoffs got a little bit easier or through the playoffs got a little bit easier if they can win this week, because they now have the number five seed, which means that they would play the Titans instead of the Bills, which actually now that I'm thinking about it is a bad matchup for the Dolphins. Cause they not good against the run, but still an easier team to beat than The Bills. Oh, for sure. Uh,
1: I just think that, yeah, well, I've, I've made my point. You made yours. It's whether or not you care about short-term or long-term development. I, I think that you can do both, but you think that the playoff games are important for extreme.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I, I'm gonna keep it moving forward just because we had a whole text conversation that <laughs> I don't want to repeat yeah. about this. But um my final take is that I don't know how hot this is. I was very angry on Saturday. And so I'm carrying this forward and I think that the Arizona Cardinals should fire Cliff Kingsbury. So I honestly don't know what like the temperature is for Cliff in Arizona or just around the league.
1: It's very hot over there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that is a good point. <laughs> and so, I mean, he was clearly a hot coach. People thought that they made a really good hire after last season.
1: In more ways than one.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. We all saw his house. Calm down. <laughs> um, but this year, the innovation and adaptation that's needed to be a successful head coach and especially an offensive coach just hasn't been there. I really think that he's getting the least he can from DeAndre Hopkins which is a testament to DeAndre Hopkins' talent because he is so good and so talented and he produces his own targets and yards. But I don't think he's been deployed in a way that actually maximizes his ability and stresses the defense. So Stephen Ruiz uh, noted this a couple weeks ago that DeAndre Hopkins is lining up on the left side of the field on almost every single play. And that he's mostly staying on the left side too. And it's taking away things that the defense needs to consider. And it makes it so much easier for the defense to game plan It just limits his impact when you see that other wide receivers like Devontae Adams or Stephon Diggs are all over the field, which means that defenses need to game plan for more scenarios. They need to have more ways to cover them and more kinds of defenses available. When if you know that DeAndre Hopkins is lining up in the same spot and running pretty similar routes every time, he's good enough that he's going to get open on some of them, but it like simplifies the game plan for the defense. And then at the same time, they're throwing like fade passes to Christian Kirk. Like, God damn it. I, I don't know what to say. It honestly makes me mad when they, when they threw the second one.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like getting a hammer for a nail and then using your fist to punch it in. It doesn't make any sense.
0: That's a good metaphor. <laughs> I like that. So I just think that for what Cliff Kingsbury has been handed, I also don't think that Kyler Murray has actually gotten that much better this year over the course of the year. I think he got a little bit better over the summer. I think he's probably a slightly better player than he was last year, but I don't think he's developed in the ways that you would like to see in a second year jump. And I still think he can be a really good quarterback, but I don't think that Cliff Kingsbury has aided his development, especially with the game calling because it sort of goes from game to game where he's calling either only horizontal shallow routes or he's calling only deep vertical routes and neither is good. You need moderation. You need to have a deep and shallow routes um, to actually stress the defense and give Kyler options. And he hasn't been doing that consistently this year. And then they don't even have a rush. They don't have a rush attack. Like they're basically depending on Kyler to create with his legs. This entire offense is just Kyler. You do whatever you can and run around in the pocket for a while. And Deandre, you go out and make some ridiculous play and catch the ball with your giant hands. Like, I don't think that Cliff Kingsbury is putting his players in a position to succeed, which is why I think that they should move on from him.
1: Yeah, and to add on to this, I was watching the game a couple of games ago, or I was watching the Cardinals game two weeks ago, uh, and he made some insane catch on the sideline. And then the announcer said that he was talking to Cliff, and he said, "Every time he makes a crazy catch, it surprises me." Which I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if you should be surprising your coach. I think your coach should know you're that you can make those catches. And he should use him in a way where he can make them more often to which it's no longer surprising.
0: Yeah, I mean, like so many DeAndre Hopkins touchdowns this year have come on, like go routes down the left sideline. Yeah. The same passes occurred like three times. And DeAndre is so good at it that he's hauled a couple of those in. But uh, Jason Verrett broke one of those up this week. Like defenses are going to catch on because he's running the same things over and over. And it might be too soon to fire Cliff. Like he might innovate and he did a better job of adapting last year. It might be too soon. But I just don't like what I'm seeing from this entire Cardinals offense. It feels really stagnant. And I hate to waste Kyler Murray's development and his rookie contract like this. And for a team that got literally one of the best trades ever, like it just fell into their lap, they're not getting the most that they can out of the rewards of that trade.
1: Yeah. And, and, and it's looking more and more like a fantastic trade as their backfield of Drake and Edmonds just continues to play their role. And at the same way David Johnson did. Uh, I just think that if you have DeAndre Hopkins, you got to You got to be winning more games than this. You got to be winning more games on offense than this, whether it's what you could have a terrible defense and you got to be able to win some games. And I think that they're not using him enough.
0: Yeah, they've had too many low scoring games this year is the thing for a team that's entirely predicated around their offense.
1: He should play much more of a uh, Devontae Adams role. Yeah, the way that they're using him in, in Green Bay.
0: If you want to go see what I was talking about when I was saying that he lines up on the left side of the field every time, just go to Next Gen Stats and look at their uh, routes under charts. It's very formative, and uh, it's pretty yeah. surprising.
1: Oh, and DeAndre Hopkins has said in the past he prefers lining up on the left side. He like he's more comfortable on the left sideline. That doesn't mean you leave him there. <laughs> that doesn't mean you you sits down on the left sideline and it just goes every time. But that's what it feels like.
0: Yeah. So I'm not like a hardliner, about you need to fire Cliff right now. I just think that is something that they should definitely be considering. And given it that they should be making the playoffs, like they were playing a Cardinals team that had nothing to play for and just completely shit the bed. There's not the fight out of a team that's right on the cusp of the playoffs that, that we should be seeing, and that concerns me.
1: Yep, I agree. I don't think they should fire him, but I think that that's something they should look at, uh, yep. at least game wide.
0: Fair enough. All right, you have any other takes, or do you want to go into the games?
1: No, I think we should go into the game. So what me and Josh did this week is we chose one upset, one close game, and one favorite team to win. And we looked into that. Their implications on the playoffs uh, and stuff like that. So I think I'll go first on my upset. Is that fine? Yeah, go for it. So so we've talked about the Falcons enough, but I think that the Falcons will beat the Bucks this week just to torment me. <laughs> At this point, you have literally no reason to win, but they will blow out the Bucks this week and they will make it so impossible to lose that not even young way Ku can save us like last week was a blessing
0: <laughs> he knew what he was doing <laughs> he
1: never misses <laughs> he decided he wanted to miss for the fans for the for the Falcons fans was Mike Glennon at quarter? I can only assume Mike Glennon is going to be at quarterback
0: no he's not actually that's what so I'm gonna stop you really quickly because okay. I'm pretty sure that Bruce Arian said today and I was shocked that like the first teamers of starters are going to be out there against the Falcons I don't know if they'll play all the drives because out of all of the teams that are playing this week, they might be the only team except for the Chiefs who are absolutely locked into their seeding. They are going to have the five seed no matter what. So I'm surprised that they're actually playing people, but they might pull Brady after a couple drives.
1: Yeah, and Brady's going to be a mess because the Falcons have been showing pressure and you know your pressure equals bad Brady. (laughs) Yep. So uh, I think that they'll go down early. Maybe Foyer will get another pick. Uh, It's going to be a, a, a fun game to watch but also dreadful because it'll be nice to see us playing well, but it'll be the worst game to be playing well in and not even young play can save us.
0: That is a bold prediction. I didn't think of this game too much. I would not be surprised if the Bucks pulled their starters after like three drives, because I don't see the purpose of playing them. Like they, they seem to have meshed. They clearly gelled more than they had before in that game against the Lions, which we didn't have time to talk about, but might've been one of the most ridiculous games of the year
1: yeah it just shows how bad the lines are though
0: well, and just what happened to their coaching staff in that game like
1: oh my god that might be like the worst future team in football
0: yeah when we go back and we do like divisional recaps and like looking forward oh i'm not sure what we're gonna yeah. find with the lions
1: like i i would prefer to be the jets right now because oh, at least you 100%. can get, get rid of gaze.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true okay I don't. I mean, I think that the Bucks are gonna win, but I could see the Falcons winning just to torment you. That's so why I, it's an upset. <laughs> exactly. My upset, and it's not really an upset, but by the by the betting lines, it is. And I just couldn't find any other good ones that actually mattered at all at the playoffs. I have the Washington Football Team beating the Eagles, and this is really narrowly. Like the Eagles are a one point five point favorite. It's not much. And honestly, I don't even know if I think that the Washington Football Team is gonna win. But here, here's why. I think that they have a good chance. I don't know if they can score an offense. I literally have no idea. Um, I have to assume that Michael Jacquet, or Jacquet probably won't play as much for the Eagles after that performance against the Cowboys. I assume that the Washington football team will be able to scheme stuff up against the Eagles secondary. Adam, is Camp Sim something? Every time I watch him, I like him.
1: I, I'm not sure. It's just really whether or not the comeback player, sorry, uh, Alex Smith will be able to play to his full capabilities with the calf strain if, if he'll be back and healthy, because I don't want Taylor Heineke to be to be my starting quarterback in any
0: more games. Yeah, so my pick was not based on offense really at all. I think this is gonna be a low scoring game. What I do think is that I think that Montez Sweat and Chase Young are fast enough to contain Jalen Hurts on the edges. And in this game, uh, this past week, the Cowboys, especially on third downs and on big downs, they rush three and then spy Jalen Hurts, and they forced him to be a pocket passer. They didn't really let him make as many throws on the run, and it worked really well. And I think that this is a recipe for success that the Washington football team can emulate, and they have the defensive lineman to get pressure with three, honestly. Yeah. So I think that they can make that work. I don't know. What do you think?
1: I was I was just going to get to one more point on the quarterback. Uh, after Heineke... Dude, do you know who their next their next quarterback is? You said his first name earlier.
0: Is it Josh Johnson? Do they bring back Josh no, Johnson?
1: It's Steven Montez.
0: Holy crap. Wait. <laughs> he, oh, oh, wait, the guy from Colorado. Okay. From Colorado. He's so he was so bad in college. <laughs> he was
1: so bad in college. I just He was he's literally just he's just fast. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay.
1: I think that would be hilarious <laughs> to see Steven Montez come in at quarterback.
0: That that would be wild. So anyways, I think that like my prediction is like a 17 to 14 Washington win. As Bob Sutton, former Army coach and now Falcons defensive coordinator to my shock a couple weeks ago, <laughs> um, said uh, about the Army Navy game, the more desperate team wins. And I think that yeah. Washington just cares a lot more in this game. And I don't even know if Alex Smith is going to play. I just think that that desperation will carry them to a win. But I would not be surprised to see anything happen in this game.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd be surprised to see Montez throw four hundred yards and five touchdowns.
0: Okay. Yes, I will admit surprise if that happens. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Uh, and I think this is a pretty good time to talk about Dwayne Haskins. So, so he was cut this week. Um, kind of surprisingly, a little bit unsurprisingly. Were you Were you surprised?
0: Yeah. Like I saw the I saw the notification, and I sort of went through like the stages of grief really quickly. Yeah. I moved to acceptance pretty quickly. I wasn't like I was like. <laughs> Oh okay, sure, why not? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh I'm I'm actually kind of surprised it didn't happen when the, the whole incident occurred in the strip club. Yeah. Cause like Jason Wright is such a big guy on like culture and uh sorry, that's the Washington football team president for anyone yes. that isn't un- unaware. Uh he emphasizes culture. He's a big guy on people following the rules, which is very ironic uh for that for that coat for that entire organization. <laughs>
0: uh, McKinsey. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But it's just it's it's a weird time to do it. But I mean, I guess if you want to boost Alex Smith's confidence, no, no, no. Here's
0: the thing. Here's the thing. The Dwayne Haskins pick was entirely decided by Dan Snyder. It was entirely his choice. The football ops guys didn't want him, and Ron Rivera's never liked him. And so he was put in a terrible situation on a terrible team. He was given zero support. I actually think more than like a lot of the other quarterbacks who have been cut in like in this situation. I can't say it'll happen, but I think he has a future in this league. There's a chance because out of all the guys who have been like put in bad situations and show nothing, he's put a couple of decent games on tape. He's made throws.
1: He had that Packers game last year that he was pretty good.
0: He had like three games last year where he was good. He had four games where he was bad. And this year it was just all bad because the situation just got worse and worse on offense. I don't know that it'll happen. He clearly has to mature. He clearly needs to take accountability, but the situation he was put in was not set up to help him succeed. And the Washington football team is such a disaster that I think that almost any quarterback would have failed there. And I can't put too much of it on him. And also I just want to note that the like strip club story broke at the same time as a story about Dan Snyder, another story about Dan Snyder and sexual abuse or something like that broke. When the first story about Dan Snyder and sexual abuse and the workplace misconduct broke, they changed their team name that same week. They have a history of trying to cover this stuff up, and there's probably a reason that strip club story yeah. broke. Yeah. So I'm just saying the team has not been what the team's actions have been have not been in Dwayne Haskins' best interests, which is really a shame. And I hope he has a chance to succeed in another organization. Uh,
1: yeah. At the same time, in no way to defend the Washington football team management, but he has also looked very disinterested and he has not shown any energy towards the team. So while he does lack interest, and that might be because of management, it's also partially his morale, um, which has been pretty low over the past couple of years. I, I think that maybe... He'll get another job. I think he'll go to the XFL first or, or um, the AF, whatever whatever other league there is.
0: There's a lot of teams that need starters this year. He's going to get a chance to compete for a job at the very least. And I hope he goes to like a good organization that can develop him, even if he doesn't get the starting job immediately.
1: That's, that's true. I could I could see that happening too. I, I don't know if I see a future for him in the NFL, but that's also because I've seen nothing of him really. Like we saw him in, during that one season, he was very on or off, but he has a lot of things he needs to improve on. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. I don't think he'll be a starter.
0: I was always sort of bullish on Dwayne. Like, I, I never thought he was great, but I just like, I think that when a quarterback, when a young guy who's clearly immature has been put in such a terrible situation, he's going to fail. Like, you're just asking him to fail. And I want to see him get a chance to be put in a position to succeed. And that's why organizational structure and organizational stability is so important. And that's why I think that the Dolphins can actually afford to draft a second quarterback because the structure is in place and that organization is so solid that they can actually do that without overturning. How everything. how do
1: you feel about the, the dolphins getting him?
0: <laughs> I would be fine with that. I mean like I don't think that he's I don't think he's shown any more than two so us I don't really see the benefit to doing that. But I do think that like the Dolphins would be a good organization for him to develop in at the very least.
1: Yeah. And maybe turn into a different guy and then have some trade capital.
0: I, I think the best team for him to go to would be the 49ers, but that's a whole other discussion for another time.
1: I still think Stafford's gotta go there.
0: That's true. But... That is true.
1: <laughs> okay. What's your what's your close game?
0: My close game, and I chose this before we found out that Ben Roethlisberger was sitting. My close game is the Browns-Steelers. So I'm not even going to talk about this game, really. I'm going to talk about what we saw from the Browns this past week. Just to be clear, Mason Rudolph is starting for the Steelers. <laughs> because the Steelers are clearly decided the Bills aren't going to lose to the Dolphins. They're not getting the two-seed, which is interesting, actually. Because I think that the Bills will win. But I would think that since the Dolphins have so much to play for, it would be a little bit closer. Um, yeah, it,
1: but is that is the drop-off from Ben Roethlisberger to Mason Rudolph really worth that that
0: so I was wondering That's that, it. honestly, like I was, I actually did think about that, like, cause we both know that Ben hasn't been that good, but we also saw how terrible Mason Rudolph is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as you, as you texted me before the show, Mason Rudolph's getting back on a field with Miles Garrett. <laughs>
1: Your thoughts? Oh gosh. I, I can't wait. <laughs> I think that'll be, I want to see um, a, a rushing the path, a roughing the passer call on nothing. I want, I want the rush to be like all over that battle. I, I think it'll be hilarious.
0: I mean, the Browns got one of those last week. So, I mean, just yeah, share the well. I mean,
1: just keep them coming. Keep them coming. All
0: right. I just wanted to talk really quickly about what the Browns problems were against the Jets and why I'm not that worried. The obvious issue is that they were missing their top four wide receivers. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I think that matters because Baker clearly didn't trust the guys he was playing with. But so much more important than the wide receivers, mostly because their game plan has never been that dependent on the wide receivers anyways, was that they were missing two offensive linemen. One was Wyatt Teller, who... I think is actually the key it's to their run this year. He's like the highest graded guard by PFF his on off splits for their rushing success with him on and off the field are insane. And then they were missing Jedrick Wills, uh, their first round tackle. Who's also been pretty good this year, a little bit under the radar just because of how good uh, the other rookie tackles have been, but still very good. And so those two were replaced by Nick Harris and Kendall lamb who were to put it nicely. God awful. <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> terrible. I, I went back and watched the highlights of this. and They were getting pushed around on every play. The Browns rushed for 2.5 yards a carry. Baker was under a ton of pressure. However, and, and also again, he's not good. He he isn't good without pressure. And when once
1: again, once again, once again, against the Jets,
0: yeah. against the Jets. Yes, <laughs> uh, that Jets that Jets pass rush looked a little frisky, but against a decimated Browns <laughs> offensive line. Sure,
1: sure, sure.
0: Anyways, Adam. Last week, I was in a fantasy football championship, and I really needed Kareem Hunt to do something for my team. So I texted you. I told you if the Browns let Kareem Hunt score here, because they were near the goal line, I will say something nice about Baker Mayfield on the show. So I'm gonna fulfill that promise. I will. I will. I'm, keep I'm surprised that.
1: you're giving a context. I thought you were just gonna come out here randomly and talk about how good Baker Mayfield. Oh no! <laughs> come
0: on! No, I need people to know that I'm saying this for a reason. I'm. I, I have. I have standards. Okay. So, hey, uh, out, first off, he's a less athletic Mitchell Trubisky. Mm. Maybe he didn't see the Jets defenders because their uniforms camouflage them against the turf. <laughs>
1: okay, I know where this is going. No, no, no. Okay, no, I'll,
0: I'll stop the roast. I, I, I couldn't think of anything. Those were the first two things I thought of, and I just had too much fun <laughs> writing them. His arm actually has impressed me a little bit going back and watching that game. He puts more zip on the ball than I actually thought he did, um, especially coming out of college. And I also like his commercials. They are funny. I will give him that. His commercials are good.
1: They're played way too often, but they're pretty fun.
0: They're played way too often. You need to break <laughs> yeah, you need to break that up. But Baker, you're welcome. Do something out of play action to get another compliment from me.
1: Yeah. His commercials are definitely better than those deep fake Saquon Barkley ones. Those are awful.
0: Yeah. Final note on this game. I'm pretty much done with everything else. In week 16, Baker took the longest time to throw, according to next gen stats, which is so weird given how like little help he was getting from the offensive line. And they were just running a lot of vertical routes. He was trying to push the ball downfield. I think that they should have been calling more horizontal routes to get the ball out of his hands quickly and like getting it to uh, Kareem Hunt and like their receiving backs more often. I don't know why they didn't do that, but that that was just something yeah. thing I noticed. I was
1: I was expecting uh, uh, like thirty catches from Kareem Hunt this game.
0: So did I. He he had like three. I was really surprised they didn't get the ball in his hands more often.
1: And and they gave up on Austin Hooper after like the first quarter.
0: Austin Hooper and- had five catches. Like at the end of like the second drive and he had like two more catches the rest of the day
1: it was was very strange I mean they did start running the ball more which helps but I mean and they weren't even
0: successful doing it so I don't know
1: yeah I mean that's because the the Jets were able to dedicate everyone to the run stop
0: they didn't
1: have to worry about uh who was it Marvin Hall beating them deep
0: yeah uh (laughs) Jamarcus Bentley or something like that (laughs) (laughs) I learned his name today I've never heard of him before Anyways, they should have all their receivers and both their linemen back against the Steelers. I looked that up. And the Steelers look like they'll be resting people. So I assume that if Ben is out, they'll probably pull TJ Wadden, Cam Hayward after a couple drives.
1: And honestly, that was a pretty well-timed buy for the, for the Browns wide receivers. I don't know if it'll help very much, but maybe maybe it'll give them a little boost, a little pep in their step.
0: I mean, it almost tanked their playoff hopes if they don't win this game. They're out of the playoffs. So that's true. But uh, I would hope that they can beat uh, Mason Rudolph. Well, yeah, here's it, Yeah, here's
1: not a, not physically, Miles. Back up.
0: Physically. <laughs> Okay, okay. Wow. Oh, okay. I should have seen you letting Put you that the one
1: helmet down. Put the helmet down. Oh my down. god.
0: Oh my god. I actually did not expect the Steelers to rest players at all in this game. So I'm a little surprised. But anyways, yeah, easy win for the Browns if they can't win this game. Well, you know what? I've been right about Baker all along.
1: <laughs> then, yeah, and if they can't beat the the, the Miles Rudolph, uh, sorry, Mason, Mason Rudolph-led, sorry, Miles is in my head, rent free. And Masons. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely in the head, literally. I think that uh, if they can't beat the Mason Rudolph-led Steelers, they're not going to beat any teams
0: in the AFC. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Which there might be a 10-win non-playoff team, which is crazy.
0: Yeah, what is your close game?
1: Well, speaking of uh, high-win teams, let's, see, well, let's look at the Giants versus the Cowboys. Uh, uh, we, we, so here we have a 6-10 and 10 team playing a 5-9 and nine team for a potential playoff spot. Meanwhile, there might be a 10-win team in the, NFC, in the AFC not making it. This, this, it's, it's so weird.
0: Adam, two we, last week, two weeks ago, we did power rankings. I I've lost track <laughs> of time. And we both put the Cowboys at 27. I think we were a little low on them. Their offense really has looked better and their defense has been better than it was at the beginning of the season. So we were a little low. There is no like reasonable world where they should be competing for a playoff spot. And my brain hurts right now. <laughs>
1: and and if the Eagles beat the which I think are they, they're supposed to, right?
0: They're one point five <laughs> point favorites apparently.
1: <laughs> so if the if the Eagles beat the, the Washington football team, we might have a Giants or sorry, a Cowboys in this or maybe the Giants if the Giants win in the playoffs. That is Crazy.
0: Actually, Daniel Jones in the playoffs would be so entertaining. Because <laughs> yeah. you think that Josh Allen did some crazy shit like last year. <laughs> what do you think Daniel Jones is going to do in the playoffs?
1: Oh, it'll it'll be fun to watch either way. Uh I would rather watch the Cowboys, but who knows? Daniel Jones could put on a show. Uh, the fact that we're even talking about this is a joke. I think the Cowboys will win just because they showed a lot more last week than they have the rest of the season, they're using Michael Gallup and um Amari Cooper to their best. I know, I know you have a lot to say about Michael Gallup. What, what's your, what's
0: no, no, your no. overall? No, Michael Gallup is really good. I think that he's one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. And honestly, I sort of want him to get out of Dallas just because I think he could be a number one or really high end number two wide receiver for a lot of teams. And it doesn't look like Dak Prescott likes throwing him to him that much. Yeah. He, he was targeting CD Lamb much more in the first, like when he was playing. So I would like him to get out. Also, personally, because I have him on some Dynasty fantasy teams. But, um, <laughs> uh, just for everyone's sake. But again, those wide receivers are awesome. Andy Dalton looked good, sort of, this past week. I, I don't know.
1: Michael Gallup to the Dolphins?
0: That would be nice.
1: Gallup and Parker would be a killer duo.
0: Oh, my God. That'd be great. Actually, I really like that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Let's not get, let's not talk more about the Dolphins. We've we've done plenty. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So my, my score prediction for Cowboys Giants will be (laughs) 27 to 20, no 27 to 17.
0: Okay. Wait, who do you have winning? The Cowboys. Okay. Yeah, sure.
1: I think they'll have similar uh, games out of one of the two. I think Bradbury will probably shut down Cooper and we'll see a lot more of the Gallup again.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. The Giants offense has done nothing since Jones got hurt. So I don't see much more this week,
1: and they're not trying to either. They're they're running the ball with Alfred Morris on third down. That doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which is weird actually, because Wayne Goldman was really good, and then they just shifted to Alfred Morris getting a ton of carries. I didn't understand that.
1: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense really, because Goldman's actually kind of good.
0: <laughs> I, I like Goldman. Anyways, all right, I'm gonna move on because I refuse to talk yeah. more about the Giants or the Cowboys. Fair, fair. And. Oh, God, my favorite is the Ravens versus the Bengals. And I don't want to waste Ooh. time on this. I'm not wasting anyone's time on this. I am going to note, though, that the Ravens offense is finally clicking. They're getting guys out in space more. They're running to the outside, which I talked about earlier in the season, that they clearly weren't doing as much as, uh, as they did last year. Lamar Jackson looks like himself, and the Bengals aren't going to stop him. Mm-hmm. Right now, we are lined up for a Ravens-Bills wildcard game, which would be so fun. I am so excited for that.
1: I think that would be worst-case scenario for the Bills.
0: Oh, yeah, that's that's rough for the Bills because they can't stop the run. I got to say, I I love the Dolphins. I hope they make the playoffs. As a football nerd and, like, as a football fan, I sort of hope that they lose and that they miss the playoffs just because the Colts, the Ravens, and the Browns are just more fun to watch than the Dolphins, especially offensively especially if Fitz isn't playing. And so just for like football's sake, I think it'd be more fun. And right now the Colts are on the verge of missing the playoffs, which is insane because the Colts are so good. And I really like them.
1: Yeah. I think a Fitz led offense is a lot of fun, especially when he's 40 40 yard passes backwards. (laughs) My preferred outcome is
0: the Dolphins beat the Bills and the Browns lose to the Steelers. So the Colts make it over the Browns.
1: I I, I don't know. Who's more entertaining, the Browns or or the Colts on offense?
0: I like the Colts defense a lot. I just like, I like watching DeForest Buckner and I like, I like, anymore. I really like their whole game plan. Everything that the Colts do is really cool. And it's like, it's just really technically sound. So I like watching that stuff. Yeah,
1: I, I agree. I think that their, their defense, when it's healthy, moves like a unit. Everyone moves together. They're very in tune with each other. They don't give up big plays at all. Yep. yep. So it, it'll be a tough match for a team like, I don't know, the Browns who
0: rely on deep passes. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That would be super interesting.
1: My favorite game, if you're done with that
0: one. I am completely done. There's nothing else to be said.
1: That AFC is ridiculous. The fact that the Ravens are at the bottom of the AFC and they have such a solid team is ridiculous. Shifting to the NFC, we're going to talk about two teams that one of them shouldn't be in the playoffs and one of them should, the Packers and the Bears. Please, God, do not let the Bears make the playoffs. (laughs) No one wants to see that. Like, I guess if you're a Bears fan or, like, if you're Do the Chicago, Bears
0: fans really want the Bears even, to make the playoffs? I don't know.
1: They're, 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 they're lunatics. They, they probably do. Uh, but it is a
0: mess. I mean, as you know, I spend too much time on football Twitter anyways. And, like, yeah. out of the woodwork, we are seeing Mitchell Trubisky defenders. <sighs> oh, my God. There's no reason for it. We'll talk about Mitchell Trubisky, like, over the offseason because there's a chance We've to keep him. We've made fun
1: of him all year, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, everyone has. I just want to note that uh, Arif Hassan, a writer for The Athletic, noted that, Over the last three weeks, ahead of the uh, Jaguars game, but I don't think that much changed. Mitchell Trubisky's depth of target was 32nd out of 35 quarterbacks. Uh, His percentage of yards to come after the catch would be 3rd out of 35 quarterbacks. And his broken tackles from receivers per catch were 1st out of 32 teams. (laughs) So he's basically just getting a ton of help from the guys around him. He's really not doing all that much. I could talk more about the play action stuff that he's doing. Just note that he's not actually good and he's not doing anything unique. The coaching staff is just actually helping him.
1: I actually like this Bears receiving core. I think Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney have shown a lot this year with their little quarterback help. Jimmy Graham is playing solid. He's playing younger. Uh, and and then you got David Montgomery who's actually catching some balls finally. So as much as that's great, I don't want to see Mitchell Trubisky in the playoffs. And for that to happen, we need... Uh, let's see. The Bears will make the playoffs with a win over the Packers or a Cardinals loss to the Rams. So... I think those are that's definitely something that could happen if the Cardinals beat the Rams. I've talked about that earlier, but who knows? Really, I just hope they don't.
0: You don't have faith in Wake Forest legend John Wolford?
1: Uh, no, <laughs> I do not.
0: Honestly, I want to see the Rams win and then go into the playoffs with Blake Bortles as their starting quarterback.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I I think that's a that's a probably a better strategy than going into golf.
0: Oh God! Don't uh, no, no. Sorry, sorry. I, I, Jared Goff has not been good this year, but Jared Goff is infinitely better than Blake Bortles. Who knows?
1: Maybe having a quarterback that can move will, will help out that offense.
0: Okay. No, we've talked we've talked football too long. Clearly, kidding, we're going, kidding, clearly, we're going, <laughs> clearly, we're going. Clearly, we're going. Clearly, we're going at this point. But also, yeah, Jared Goff <laughs> throwing on the run is like a slow-moving train wreck.
1: <laughs> it is gross. But you got a first overall pick. You got to use him.
0: All right. Anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, I think, I think we've been going pretty long. Uh,
1: th- it'll be a lot of fun to watch this week. The AFC playoffs will be a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> uh, and, and, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. See you guys next week.